just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? The outsiders ravage our land. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. So you're going tomorrow? Yes, I'm going tomorrow with the advanced team. I'd like you to take me with you. Are you trying to get me court-martialed? Can I trust you with something? I've been having dreams about a girl falling in battle. Felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're awake. With the future of House Atreides, you have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. They're not human, they're brutal. Well, if I'm not dead, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and this is actually going to be a very special episode. I'll explain why uh, later on uh, in in the episode. But uh, yes, it's a really special episode, mainly because I honestly don't know what is going to happen with this particular episode. I'll explain why in a few minutes. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Uh, I have even less idea, but then again, I will, I'll, I will be able to work it out, don't worry. Even faster <laughs> than Michael. Uh, I'm even so faster than Marcusville. Yeah, you probably will, because in these kind of things, I am I'm dumb as a brick. I'm dumb, as they say, dumb as a bag of hammers when it comes to it. But we'll, we'll explain in a few minutes, just to, to, to fill in what the mystery is all about with regards to this particular episode, what it means, whether I can retire and go and live in the Bahamas with my family uh, and, and make films there and whatnot. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, speaking of family, we have uh, a, a guest who we haven't had on the show since before this is since before lockdown really um we'll get him to introduce himself so please introduce yourself and uh say hi to the people who are listening hi um long time no see um i'm jacob if you remember me from the last time i was on shoot the breeze um i am 
Mark's son, basically. So, and also I am film fan. So that is very nice. That is daddy's son to you. So you, you don't you don't you do not address yeah. me by my first name. <laughs> Chastise you and I thought that was I thought that was what we were going with. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, we want to welcome Jacob Akko, future uh, host of Shoot the Breeze. Um, producer Dave does not want to take on the mantle of being a host of the show, so I have to I have to train my replacement when eventually the time comes that I become too busy with my film work uh, and my novels and my YouTube channel, my graphic novels and so on and so forth, and I have to step away from shoot the breeze. It'll never happen. I will be doing this if <laughs> you know until on, until I lose my voice until you're old and dusty. Until I'm old and dusty, and even if I'm old and dusty, as long as that dust can produce you know, air and sound. I'm going to be doing that as long as there are people listening. Right. E even if there are no people listening, if it's producer Dave sitting there listening to me, I will keep doing this. Isn't that right, producer Dave? Even if it's still Android. Yeah, okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes. All right. So let me explain all the mystery, what the mystery is, and then we'll jump to, um, to my protege to give us a little bit of a review on something that he's been watching. So the mystery that I've been alluding to a few minutes ago um, in the spotlight section today, we're going to have interim CEO of Marvion Media, Julian So, who's going to be talking to us about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and uh, the introduction of blockchain NFTs, mainly because we got to know about him and his company because they're working in conjunction with a friend of the show, Bijang Tong, on his film Lockdown. Uh, he used, they, they, they produced NFTs for that particular movie. And as such, they want to work with creative types, people who are making films, music, art, uh, novels, etc. They want to work with them to be able to create more content for NFTs. So if you don't know what NFTs are, which I'll be completely honest, I had a very little bit of understanding about what they were before I spoke with Julian. And after speaking with Julian, I have a little bit more understanding of what they are. Um, but, you know, he explained it as plainly to me as I could ever understand it, as anyone has ever understood, uh, explained it to me. Producer David, from our conversation with uh, Julian about NFTs, did you get a better understanding of what they were? I did. Uh, I thought NFTs initially were National Film Theatre, but uh, now I know it's not a National Film Theatre. It's a fungible thing, Imijig, that uh, you can <laughs> you, <laughs> you own. That's, the, that's what the T actually stands for, thingamajig. So that's uh, that's perfect. <laughs> Non-fungible thingamajig. That's good. That's how you can tell they're old. Well, yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, so we're going to find out a little bit more. And um, this wasn't actually said. This was said after the interview. So I think we'll, we can we can break it after the interview as well. So we won't necessarily talk about it uh, just yet. We'll talk about it at the end of the interview, which is after the spotlight section. We're going to also do film and TV news where we will uh, play some interviews from the cast of the new movie, uh, Dune, uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune, which is out now at the cinema. We'll play that as part of film and TV news. Before we jump into film and TV news, uh, we've got my protege here who has been itching to talk to us about some of the shows that he's been watching. So uh, I'll, I'll step to the side and I'll let you talk about some of the shows that you're watching that you'd like to recommend. And myself and producer Dave will ask you questions about them. So take the mic. Well, to be honest, I've not been itching, but okay. Um, so basically, 
for me, for me, the shows that I watch isn't necessarily like uh, TV shows. It's more or less like anime. So uh, first one that I have is um, one uh, you might you might have heard uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Um, so I, I don't want to try and spoil it because it's actually quite good. So, um, like, everyone probably knows the Seven Deadly Sins, like, um, uh, Wrath, Greed, Sloth, etc. But, like, but this basically makes them, like, interprets them as humanoid beings that can actually talk and interact with people without killing people, like, with their touch, basically. That's excellent. That, that's, so, this is, on watch, uh, what medium are you watching this particular show? Well, for me, I mainly watch it on uh, Netflix, but oh. um, but there's probably like other uh, actual, um, uh, what was it, websites for anime. So the, the last time I saw a TV show or a movie that included something like Seven Deadly Sins, that was mm. Shazam. Right. Um, what, how have they portrayed the Seven Deadly Sins differently in this context compared to Shazam, because you've seen Shazam as well. Yes, I What's the diff- how different is it in the way they portray Seven Deadly Sins? So for for anyone that hasn't had hasn't seen the um, how Shazam interprets the Seven Deadly Sins in Shazam anyway, they're demonic figures that um, not necessarily possess people, but like come together in one like Dragon Ball esque thing, and then they get they. In that in that ball, just go into people that they think is well not worthy, but a good enough host. So they possess one particular person, one particular character, Basically. as opposed to being. I mean, they are their own individual characters as well, yeah. but they can come together and possess uh, one person. How is it different yeah. in the anime Seven Deadly Sins? So in the anime, it, they're not just grotesque, demonic-looking things. Uh, they're actually like humanoid beings, yes, basically. Said. I've put it as um, they interpret it as like humans, but not necessarily humans, but like species that look like humans. Ah, okay. Like, for example, like giants and fairies and demons and angels. So, you, so you're, essentially, you're essentially following the seven deadly sins, their own characters. They have their own motivations and they're moving through in the show itself. Is that that's how you're putting it? Yes. In Shazam, they don't give the Seven Deadly Sins a name. Like, for example, like Bob. Sure. They just like refer to them as their like specific sin. Whereas in Seven Deadly Sins, they actually give the character the sins names. So, for example, Wrath is Meliodas, Greed is Bon, Pride is Escanor, Envy is Diane, um, Sloth is King, Gluttony is Merlin, Lust is Gotha. And then that, you know, yeah, that's basically their, their name. Okay, uh, producer Dave, let me throw it to you. Have you heard of or seen this show on Netflix called Seven Deadly Sins? No, but then again, I, I must admit, I don't actually go into all the anime stuff. I have picked up on one show, which I've just started watching, um, called C. Oh, it's translated as Six Hands or Says My Manos. Oh. Um, and it's on Netflix, is it? Uh, this is on Netflix anime, anime as well. World. And uh, yeah, I, I, 
I started watching it and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. The anime is a bit basic, but as it moved on, the anime got better. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much interesting, but carry on. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard I've heard a lot about Seven Deadly Sins. Um, not only has uh, as my protege here recommended it, that I watch it, and it, being a responsible father, I should be watching it to see what kind of content my son is watching. But you know, it's I trust him. I I, I believe that it would. It's as it's, you should. As I should. It is intelligent. It is creative it is because i've i've heard good things about seven deadly sins but there's another project that another um uh, tv sure, show that you're watching anime. again it's another anime but it's called demons uh, demon slayer i'm pretty sure it's been like um uh, gotten good reviews but um it's basically as as you can tell by the title it's about uh, demon slayers who hunt demons and obviously slay them but they're not like they're not like um like the seven deadly sins like in a like a Shazam type thing. They're uh but they they're basically humans, but if they had like a if zombie humans basically, but not as like dead and deformed. But I I I I'm just gonna sum it up as they're zombies mixed with vampires mixed with uh, demons because they can use magic. Some of them can use magic. Uh, they can make other people demons but then you have to hit them in the head to kill them with a specific sword which i do not know why they need a specific sword these are the demons that i'm, I'm slightly confused these are the demons that you need to kill so who are the protagonists who are the main characters of the so show the main character or characters even um i don't want to spoil it but um the main character uh his name is tanjiro Obviously, it's a Japanese name. Because, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, he's like a normal, like, um, a good protagonist and like a, a hard worker and all that, and all that jazz. Um, and he's out working one night and then comes back. Like, so basically, it's really late. Someone he knows invites them into his house, into their house. Uh, he sleeps at their house, goes back home to his home. Finds and find and finds his family dead because they've just had a run-in with demons or a demon. I can't really remember, but um, uh, finds his uh, sister whose whose uh name I cannot remember is a demon. Tries to attack him. Another demon slayer comes in, helps and uh puts a gag on the on the uh, sister, and yeah. Okay, so so just to to find just final uh, wrap up on on your review, if I were to pick one to watch, which would you recommend I pick? Seven Deadly Sins or Demon Slayer? Honestly, because I haven't seen De uh, Demon Slayer that much, Seven Deadly Sins. Fantastic! By You're a far like by a, a by a mile. Yeah, excellent. Mile. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are going straight into film and TV news. Dune 
is a simple story. It's a very humanist uh, novel. And so I want to do that, to have that in the, in, the, in the movie. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a science fiction movie, but it's not about gadget. It's about humans and a, and, a, and a very, I think, kind of profound human journey. It's a book that I, I read uh, numerous times through the ages. I mean, through my uh, from being a young teenager to uh, an adult, I, I, I went back to it from time to time, discovering new things in it. It's a book that is deeply rich and talks about a, a very uh, pr profound subject, the development of a, of a young adult, how to find solace into the, another culture, or, or the curiosity and the, the capacity of adaptation uh, is the key to survive. It's a simple story. But the, the, with a lot of background and a lot of depth and, and to honor that, that, that uh, complexity, all those details, multiple details about different cultures or different ecosystems, uh, I needed time. That's why I decided to do it in two parts. The book for me was the Bible. It was my guide. And I kept the book very close to me. I kept Frank Herbert's words very close to me as I was doing the, the movie. When I, I was in doubt. I was just going back to the novel and it, it, there was always an answer there. So I did the same for the casting. I mean, I really try to find the actors and actresses that be as close as possible to the visions I had when, when I, I read the, the novel at first. The truth is that I came with a list and uh, what you see on screen is very close to my uh, dream list and meaning that uh, all the actors came on board with a lot of enthusiasm because there's a lot of love for the book and it's a book that has been revered and loved by uh, and, and most of them were excited to be part of this adventure as a director you plan everything you construct it you try to create an environment where there will be a burst of life in front of the camera something that will happen that was unexpected and that will feel new to the audience and that i cannot do that with green screens <laughs> i'm not inspired it's very selfish uh, approach I, it's just me some people can do it i'm not saying that uh, 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 other directors can do it and they have all my respect because me i can't I, 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 the green the blue screen and green screen it sucked out my energy i mean it's like a, i'm uninspired i need reality you know that's the way i am well, I think the Fremen, the tribe my character belongs to, Stilgar, is trying to uh, make something better out of that planet that is being, uh, keeps being abused and violated by the human greed and try to create a better conditions, living conditions for his people. And that conflict stays present in his relationship with, with any outcomer, with, with anyone that lands in that new planet called Dune. So that's why he's very cautious and, and doesn't trust anyone. He's being called the Messiah. He has a call that he has to respond to. And for the Fremen, which is a very religious uh, driven tribe, the fact that there's, a, there's an annunciation of a person like him coming, it brings some hope and, and some need for check out if that's a fact, if that's real, because that could be a key for our, for our needs. I think they have many things to experience. I mean, it's it's a it's, it's a great science fiction movie journey that has and speaks volumes about things that are very relevant today, environmentally speaking, also politically speaking, about religion. There's a there's a depth that the audience get from what they see and they experience. I played well Jessica, who belongs to this incredible sisterhood, the Bene Gesserit, 
who I don't like saying manipulate the outcome of the universe, but in a in a grander scale, they do to create bonds between families and links that we kind of have done in centuries since medieval times, really, the plotting of the households. And she rebels against her orders from, from the remnant mothers and creates chaos. And then throughout, she then has to juggle this, the consequences of her decisions of, of creating something out of love, something that her, her duke has asked for, a son, and also her belief. And now she has to protect and train that asset to survive. It's such an interesting ongoing conversation, which I love about this film in general. Women, empowerment, equality. I mean, there's so many topics here that I hope when we people see the film, it just activates and generates conversation. But, you know, it was written in 1960s and, and Frank obviously had his vision of what a social norm was and, and where women stood in, in, in the hierarchy of, of, of life's setting. And it was yet ahead of its time, you know. He was the one who wrote of the Bene Gesserit about this empowering state of mm. manipulating thought and, and, you know, the brains behind it all. But yet they always stand in the shadows. You know, they're not allowed to break free, really. But this is Denny's thought, I think, was to heighten it and to bring mm. them into the rooms, not literally into the powerful rooms. That's going too far. But also it's not really going too far. It's not the story. You can't change the outcome of a story that we are telling. If everything was equal, we wouldn't have anything to fight against in this story. But it was, it was wonderful modernizing Jessica. Timothy is an extraordinary actor. I, uh, <clears throat> from the moment that I was a, a part of this journey, just meeting Denny uh, and talking about the film and then, and then him telling me later on that he didn't offer up the information that, that it was um, Timothy Chalamet playing Paul. It was more down to the story. It wasn't a selling point for him, which I have to say to his credit. Um, and then when I found out, there was such a wave of excitement for me because I, I think I've seen all of, of Timmy's films. Um, so to be on the receiving end of, of his way of working and, and being, as he said, we were a safety net for him to be able to throw himself into different emotions and, and a new journey for him. This is a, a new experience for him. And to be there with him and see him not develop, we all develop. He was wonderful. And, and I know it's a cliche, but when you work with great people, it makes you want to deliver new characteristic traits for yourself and your characters as well, to give them something. Paul's a young man who already has a certain pressure on his shoulders uh, to one day be the ruler of the House of Trades. Uh, inherit that position from the Duke Leto, who's played by Oscar Isaac. Towards the very beginning of the film, based on the prophecy of the Bene Gesserit and the scene of the Gom Jabbar, which if you haven't read the book, that literally meant nothing right now. <laughs> He's put on this path that was not predestined for him, it was predestined uh, for a young woman and is on a journey to see whether he can, he can uh, write what's wrong in the universe and write what's wrong on planet Arrakis, on Dune. A dream come true and an honor. And, uh, you know, you get to be young actors working with a, a master of cinema at his peak. That, that's the dream come true. So, you know, we didn't take it for granted for a second. And uh, I think we showed up overprepared because uh, <laughs> we did not want to get this wrong. He's an extraordinary filmmaker. And, and I don't know how he's able to fit so much in his brain at once because there's so many pieces and so many moving parts to this and so much to think about while also remaining true and, and keeping the integrity of these really, really loved and cherished books. I don't know how he does it, but I am truly, truly grateful to be a part of it somehow. Um, I would honestly, I would shadow him and just watch him work 
for free. You know, I would want me to hold your coffee. Like, what do you, whatever you need? I just want to, you know, learn from you and, and, and be a part of your creative world. world. Well, I think that's the cool thing about, I think, unless you've read the books, of course, this first film is we don't know what her significance is. Um, she kind of is just this figure in his visions and his dreams. And we don't know if she's good. We don't know if she's bad. We don't know if she's evil. We don't know her intentions or if she's gonna, you know, mark the beginning of a life or the end of one. So I think that's the exciting part, right? Is 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 uh, when they meet, there's kind of apprehension on both sides because to her, he's an outworlder. He's someone who is just part of a greater kind of uh, establishment that has never been good to her or her people. Um, and to him, he's <laughs> seen this person and knows that there's a great significance there, but does not know why. And, you know, it's, that's what he's constantly trying to figure out. So, yeah, I mean, there's so much kind of to, uh, to, if you are familiar with books, that's so much left to tell, so much, so much story left to tell. I play Gurney Halleck. He is a weapons master in Caladan for the Atreides family. And he's also a mentor to Paul Atreides. And he's helping protect and hopefully make a smooth transition from Caladan to Arrakis. And, you know, I mean, he's he's a leader of the military, but he's also subservient to the royalty of, of the Atreides family. Duke Leto is the, the Duke of the House of Atreides, and he is a doomed figure, even from the source material. This, the, the moment you're reading it, everyone's saying this man's doomed, this man's doomed. There's something that I find quite moving about that just as a human, where we all know that we're doomed. And, you know, the big question is not, you know, is, is how, how do you live? Right. Not not even why, but how. And I think that's what he's most concerned with. How do we move forward? How do we keep bettering ourselves? How do I point the way for my son? Working with him was such a dream come true. He I, I've known him for a while and we've talked many times about the possibility. It'd be great to work together one day. And the fact that it finally came to pass in, in this way was so great. And I remember the very first scene I had to do was walking off the ship. Uh, that was our, that was my first day. And so, you know, it's it's a lot. I, I think you guys had already been shooting for, yeah. for quite a few weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had getting this armor put on and walking down this in this grand way. And right after I did it, he came, yeah, with the, with the back part <laughs> thing. And then, he, and then he just came up to me and said, you're a king. Oh. I've never seen this from you, but you, I saw a king. You know, and he just knows how to infuse this, his passion uh, into you so that, you know, you become just as passionate. And I, I just found it such a, such a moving, beautiful, beautiful thing to do and to, to be able to work with someone like that. And those were the interview sound bikes that we mentioned uh, that we have gotten from the promotion company that is promoting Denis Villeneuve or Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Now let's jump into our next segment where we're talking with the interim CEO of Marvion Media in our segment, Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze of Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have the interim CEO of Marvion, who's going to introduce himself and tell us what the company Marvion is all about. Please take it away. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah, my name is Julian. Uh, delighted to be on this show. 
um, I am, uh, as Marcus has introduced, the interim CEO of uh, Marvion, uh, only because um, we are still in the process of uh, allowing our official CEO to step in. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm doing my very best to try and uh, uh, fill his shoes. Uh, I am actually the uh, group CEO uh, at the group level. Uh, Marvion is actually one of our subsidiaries. Um, so I'm very happy to talk about any of the of our subsidiary companies. Uh, all of them are doing a lot of interesting work in the blockchain space. And Marvion specifically is actually uh, using blockchain to hopefully disrupt uh, the way the media and entertainment industry is uh, actually functions uh, in today's world. Um, and we're doing that with our proprietary uh, hybrid NFTs. Uh, and I'll be very happy to explain what uh, the hybrid NFT is um, if I'm given a chance to later, depending on the interview. Oh, absolutely. Trust me. This is a this, this is one of, those, <laughs> one of those interviews where um, it's, I like to think I know a little bit about everything. And NFTs for me has been very new. It popped up, it came into my radar. I've gotten a little bit of knowledge from it, but I'd love to know a lot more especially how um, uh, not only NFTs, but also Marvion Media uh, plans to step in uh, and, is, is, as you said, disrupt the way uh, sort of things work in the, in the creative space. So let's start off, first of all, with uh, the description of NFTs, and then we'll move into what Marvion Media are planning on doing with their various projects, including things like lockdown and anything else that they have in the future. So for people who don't know what an NFT is, can you please describe that for us? Okay, look, I'm, I'm gonna try and describe NFTs uh, in, a, in, in very layman terms. It's gonna take a little bit more time than usual, but I think it's important because I want everyone on the show to really understand what it is, okay? Now, if you, were to search NFTs today, uh, you're gonna see a lot of YouTube videos with a lot of people trying to explain what NFTs are, and they're all very technical in nature. And to be honest, I've seen quite a few of these videos myself, and after I've seen them, I still don't really understand what they are, okay? So this is what I'm gonna do, okay? Going very layman term, okay? An NFT is essentially similar to a blank piece of paper, okay? So a piece of paper, in itself is of very, very little value, okay? However, depending on what you write on it will actually determine what the real value is of that piece of paper, okay? Now, every piece of paper is actually non-fungible. When I say non-fungible, it actually means that it is one of a kind, right? Why is a piece of paper one of a kind? Because even if you get two pieces of paper and they look identical, technically speaking, they are different because even if the wood from which they are made came from the same tree, it will be a different part of the tree that makes a different piece of paper. So every piece of paper is actually non-fungible and every piece of paper is actually one of a kind. However, you you will not assign a very high value to something just because it's one of a kind, because there are probably billions of pages of paper all over the world, and you're not going to buy a piece of paper and, and assign a very high value to it just because it's one of a kind. Then this is the first thing I want to highlight, right? So don't buy an NFT just because someone tells you it's one of a kind, because, because technically speaking, an NFT, given it's a digital asset, you can actually print or mint billions of them is an infinite number of nfts out there because it's all digital right so so not so not every nft is valuable okay and that's how, so that actually now, sorry just to just to jump in there that actually yeah. in and you probably will cover this in just a second but that sort of 
is one of the reasons, one of the questions I wanted to ask. Um, as you said, uh, you know, it, it's it, not all NFTs are valuable. How does somebody actually determine what the value of a particular NFT actually is? And that is a great question, Marcus, because as I said earlier, a piece of paper is only as valuable as what is written on it. And NFT is also as valuable as what's written on it. It's the same thing, right? So for example, if you have a piece of paper and you wrote on it the title deed to a building, now that piece of paper is worth the value of the building, okay? If you have a piece of paper where you have the plane ticket printed on it, it is as valuable as the, as the plane ticket right? However, in itself, a blank piece of paper is of very, very little value. And that's why we've got to be very careful. And anybody who buys an NFT should really take a closer look at what is written in it. And that is the, and that is the issue I have because most people are not doing that. And that scares me, right? And to be honest, if, if someone is out there and has really bought a lot of NFTs, um, I think they should be scared, right? They should be worried. They should really be going back and taking a closer look at the NFTs and determine what exactly is written on it to decide what actually have they bought. Okay, okay. That, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So now you're associating the actual product, the NFT, uh, or as you described it, the paper, you're ascribing the value based on what you've put on that particular paper, piece of paper, which, so if we use something like, uh, like artwork, so a painting that might've been sold at auction for a million, if you were to have the original copy transcribed onto, or onto that piece of paper, or and we'll describe how the NFT is actually formed, then you could say that because that painting was sold at a million, the NFT is also worth a million. Am I close to understanding what that, the similarity? Okay, that is getting very, very close, Marcus. Okay, but I'm going to try and do a bit of differentiation there. And I, I I'll explain to you why later, right? So as you've correctly mentioned, if I write on this piece of paper that it actually, actually represents the ownership title of a physical piece of art, now that's perfect, right? Because you can touch, you can feel the physical piece of art, you can bring that home, and therefore that piece of paper is now worth the value of that physical piece of art. Now, the problem with a lot of NFTs today is that they are actually meant to represent digital art, okay, which is not a physical thing. Now, the question I have to, for everyone is this, right? How do you determine ownership of something that's digital, right? You can't touch, you can't feel it. How, what, what document do you have, right? What can you write on a piece of paper to determine that you actually own a piece of digital art? Guess that's what? A, that's a very good question. Go on, explain. Yeah. Okay. So in so in the in the legal realm, the only way you can actually own a piece of digital art is in the form of an intellectual property ownership or an intellectual property license. Right. So what you need to write in that piece of paper is yes, they will refer to a piece of digital art and they will say that. And the owner of that piece of art will then write in the in the document to say in the piece of paper to tell you that oh I've given I've granted you a license to view it for example privately in your own home or I've granted you a license to broadcast it to the rest of the world or I grant you a license to actually broadcast it and even received revenues from the broadcast so that is the license that you need to see in the document in order for you to actually own a piece of digital art. Okay, or alternatively, 
if the owner so wishes to, he can also transfer the entire intellectual property of that piece of art over to you. Now, that is real ownership of a digital art. Okay, uh, that's that brings me to the next question I'm going to ask in just a second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And with us uh, is Julian So who's the interim CEO of Marvion Media. He's giving me a tutorial on NFTs, which is something that I have needed for quite a while because I've heard it being floated around quite a bit and I've needed an expert to explain it to me. And I'll be very honest, Julian, yeah, your explanation has made far more sense to me than any other explanation I've actually heard about NFTs. And as you've just described it, you've described it using the analogy of of printing uh, something onto a piece of paper. And you've talked about, actually, you've clarified by saying you actually state on that piece of paper the fact that you are licensed to own that particular property. And, and since we're, we're, you're using paper as an example, but NFTs are fully digital, if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. It's fully digital. So in a sense, you're printing code that indicates that somebody is licensed to own a piece of property. Is that correct? Very, very close. Almost okay. like that. Okay. Now, so let me let me so now we move on to the to the NFT. Okay. Now the NFT actually is even worse than a piece of paper. Because in a piece of paper, you have a lot of flexibility. You can write a lot of stuff in it in order to define exactly what is it that you own. Okay. Now I know, look, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about the code around the NFT because that's all very technical, but technically speaking, the code has got no relevance to this thing that I'm talking about because the, all the code does is that the code actually governs how a settlement of a transaction actually happens, okay? But it has nothing to do with the ownership. What you need to do is you still need to write the document into the NFT itself, okay? And this is what I mean by that. In the NFT, in a standard NFT or a standard form of an NFT, there are only three fields that you need to fill in, okay? The first field is the name of the NFT. The second field is the description of the NFT. And the third field is actually a link to something on the website. Now, you tell me, if you only have these three fields, how in the world are you going to write the entire license agreement into the NFT to ensure that you actually own something? That makes okay. perfect sense because obviously you're going to wipe the last owner and put your details on and the next person gets it, wipes that owner and then puts the next owner on, correct? Well, that can be written onto the blockchain. But first of all, let's describe what exactly do you own in the NFT. And guess what? There is no room right now for you to write anything, right? In today's world, okay, I am, okay, look, I haven't done enough research into every single NFT that's written out there to, to actually give you a scientific uh, answer. But I am convinced that more than 90% of all of the NFTs that are being transacted out there today actually do not contain a license agreement or an intellectual property agreement that defines what you own, okay? This is how 90%, more than 90% of NFTs work. In the name, it says, let's say, let's let's take for example, crappy punks. Okay, I, I won't I won't use crypto punks, but let's say crappy punks. Okay, something that's developed by Julian. Okay, name of the name of the NFT says crappy punk 001. Description: This 
Crappy Punk was created by Julian So in 2021. And then there is a link. And guess what? It's, it's a link to a JPEG, right? Because it is a picture of that Crappy Punk that I've just created. Okay? Now, that link, in fact, in a lot of the earlier NFTs that were created, that link is actually a link on the web, which is on a centralized system or on a centralized server, which means that if the person who owns the server were to delete the link, I would be holding on to an NFT with the name, with the description, and with a broken link. So what in the world did I get? Isn't that frightening? You just crossed off the next question. The, red, the very next question I was going to ask, because it was all building to that point about the fact that you've got the link that's there. And obviously that link has to lead to a server. What happens if the server goes down? If it crashes, as you said, the link bro it gets broken. What then happens to your property? So uh, uh, you've, you've, you've started answering the question. So I'm going to let you finish. And then I'll ask one more question about NFTs and we'll jump into Sure. Okay. So what, how some people solve the problems that I've just mentioned is that one, you could technically put the link onto the blockchain. So it's not on a centralized server. So no one person can break the link or can delete the link. Okay. So that's actually possible. Okay. That's one, that's one solution, which is to put the link onto the blockchain. The second thing is that some people would then separately from the NFT actually then write a, a document. So it could be a terms and conditions on the, uh, on the platform, or it could be terms and conditions, for example, by Sotheby's, right? Which then is supposed to determine the ownership of the digital art in your NFT. But that actually doesn't really quite work because as I said earlier, if your terms and conditions are not contained in the NFT, they could be deleted you would have questions about whether that agreement or the terms and conditions will apply to the next NFT holder. There's a whole host of problems that come with a traditional NFT. But what we are doing at Marvion by creating hybrid NFTs, we have actually solved all of those problems so that when you hold a hybrid NFT that comes from Marvion, you can be assured that you have proper ownership and you can assure that the digital file that we have actually sold you actually sits on the blockchain that cannot be deleted and is actually owned by you as the NFT holder. That, that, may, that kind of clears up that issue for me because that was the one problem I had, which is the fact that if there's just an NFT that was stored on one person's server, then you're basically relying on that person to have the upkeep of the server, make sure that nothing goes wrong. And if that thing does go wrong, if the servers go down, then you've basically lost your property. But from what I understand, having a blockchain is basically having, uh, it's having contingencies in place. So that if one goes down, you still have that saved and you can still own your property. Um, now, the last question I want to ask based on M NFTs, and we can talk more about the creative projects that Marvion, are, uh, Marvion is working on. Um, how can somebody go about acquiring an NFT with Marvion? Okay, so uh, we are actually number one blockchain agnostic, meaning that we can actually mint our NFTs on any blockchain uh, out there that's available in the world. But we are very, very concerned about the environment. Uh, we are very concerned about our community uh, and we want to make sure that we do the right thing, right? So by being agnostic, we can always choose the best blockchain to use 
uh, whenever new ones are being developed or being created that are more efficient or that are more useful or and that are more adopted by the community by our community right so uh, that's number one number two we are also exchange agnostic meaning that we don't have to, uh, you don't have to go to any particular exchange to buy our NFTs. Of course, on our website, our NFTs are always available. But however, if let's say, for example, you you would prefer to buy our NFTs from OpenSea or you prefer to buy our NFTs from the from the Binance uh, exchange, uh, we could place our NFTs onto those uh, exchanges and you could actually buy them from those exchanges. That's excellent. That's excellent. Thank you very much for explaining that. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we're joined by the interim CEO of Marvion Media, Julian So, who's just been giving us an education on NFTs. Uh, it definitely given me a lot to think about. Now, what I want to do is I want to try and move on to one of the creative projects that you've been involved in, which is Bijang Tong's Lockdown. So we were at the premiere uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, a representative from Marvion Media sp uh, stood up and said something that made all creative heads like me prick their ears and pop up and take interest. And it was, uh, it was that Marvion Media are looking for, and I'm paraphrasing and he's probably going to say I, 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 mis I misspoke, uh, but he, he, Marvion Media are looking for creative types, whether it's film, music, uh, graphic novels, in order to work with them to be able to get their work out there, just like you've done with Bijang Tong and Lockdown. So let's say, for example, a creative type, hypothetically me, has created a graphic novel and would like to work with Marvion Media. What sort of collaboration would Marvion Media have with creative types to be able to get their projects out there? Right. So I think, look, the specifics of each uh, partnership or transaction, um, you know, I'll leave it to my team um, because, you know, again, the details will really depend on, you know, what the product is, um, how popular it's going to be, uh, whether or not uh, the, the, create, the creator will have a community that he would be able to bring to the table um, who would actually also be interested in acquiring something like that. So, so it's got a whole host of factors uh, to determine what the specific details of the transaction terms should be. Okay. However, uh, what we would be very happy to do is, uh, number one, uh, we would Again, given what I've just mentioned earlier, we would actually need, require to put all the necessary documentation together to ensure that, first of all, we have acquired the license that's necessary for the NFT holder to be able to own something, right? And um, that license would have to be very, very clear and very specific. Uh, for example, as I mentioned earlier, right? Because if you provide, a, for example, if it's actually a, a, a novel, Right. Uh, the question is, um, you know, can can the person who owns the novel can he actually um, uh, uh, share it with his friends? Right. Can he only read it himself? Can he actually read it in a public space? Uh, you know, like like a narrator. Uh, can he actually collect money if he was actually doing that? So all of these needs to be very precisely written into the document. Um, we also need to determine whether it's a perpetual license or whether it's a 10-year license or two-year license. So, so a lot of these details we would actually set out uh, at the at 
at, at the later stage when we're actually discussing the details. However, uh, you are absolutely correct. Uh, the representative uh, was also correct in saying that we are very, very keen and we're really looking for creative types, especially the ones you know who 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 haven't had the opportunity to actually allow the entire international community and the world to look at what he has done and is very keen um, and he's very talented. He wants to make sure that this talent is actually being recognized. And I think that Marvion is definitely uh, one of those platforms that he can use uh, to do exactly that. That's fantastic. I'll let that hypothetical person know about the uh, the opportunities that Marvion Media is making available for them to, to work with. Now, uh, as I've just mentioned, and we've been raving uh, for weeks about Bijang Tong's film Lockdown, which is, uh, he's a friend of the show, so we've been talking about his project. Uh, are you in a position to be able to tell us about more projects and more creative works that, are, uh, that Marvion has? have a hand in or is this something that we would need to speak to your team about so, so we can we can talk more so people can listen more and find out more about the projects that you're working on yeah so okay the the the, the only issue i have um, about talking uh, about forward statements uh, is because marvion um unfortunately well fortunately or unfortunately is currently um part of a um, listed uh OTC markets company in the US, right? And I think my lawyers will be will be frowning if I keep making a lot of forward statements that could actually affect our our stock price. That makes, um, that makes suffice, sense. <laughs> but suffice to say uh, that we are definitely working on all types of media. Um, like you currently mentioned, we are definitely doing uh, movies. We are doing a lot of drama series. Uh, we are actually doing a lot of uh, music uh, developments as well. Um, animation and comics is definitely something that we're also very keen to establish. Um, in, in all, in all honesty, I think these are all in the in the near term. Uh, that we're going to be able to deliver them. Uh, I'm not going to go into any specific details that could be price sensitive, but uh, rest assured, you're going to see a lot of interesting um, uh, NFTs that are going to be minted by Marvion in the near future. That's fantastic news uh, because there are a lot of creative types that listen to this show um, to find because we get a lot of uh, actors, writers, directors, producers, agents who come on the show and talk about how they work in the business and how they offer advice to people who are trying to get in, trying to get their foot in. Um, and this is something that's really going to help them because it, at least it, it's, it's, a, it's a large company or it's a big organization that is actually stepping in that space and can assist them to get their project from just what's in their heads onto the public platform. So if anybody wants to get in contact with Marvion Media, whether it's to learn more about how to work with you or even just to learn more about NFTs uh, and such, how can they do that? Right. I think the easiest way is to come and visit our website uh, where we actually have, um, you know, a... Um, you know, a, a, a space where you could actually submit your email address. Uh, and once you do that, I can assure you, my team is very on the ball. Uh, the moment you submit your, your email address, uh, we will have someone relevant to reach out to uh, whoever you are, um, to engage you, to make sure that we can follow up and make sure that something can get done uh, with whoever that's interested to work with us. Uh, also, the second thing is that uh, Marvion will be conducting a lot of uh, 
competitions um you know in the music space in the in the in the in all movie production space and when we actually organize these competitions i would actually um you know highly encourage everyone to participate and that's how you can also get involved um and in these competitions especially they're all going to be international everyone in the entire world especially in the crypto community will be watching uh whatever you you have produced uh and and that's where you know and, and i think that's where the creative types really need right it's actually international exposure uh to to whatever talent that they have um we also actually also have a telegram group um in fact i mean we're, we're on all the social medias um like i said again uh, please feel free to come to our website where we have links to all of our different social medias uh engage us in 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 any way that is convenient to you uh and we'll be very happy to to come back and 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 see how we can move forward that is fantastic and whenever you have any of those competitions going please let us know so that we can broadcast it, we can talk about it on the show so that more and more people can jump in and help out. Now, I, it would be remiss of me, uh, this is a, a show about uh, people talking about films and televisions, uh, television shows, that, you know, their favorite films and television shows. And it would be remiss of me if I don't get to ask you about your own favorite films and television shows. So, uh, Julian, what films, it just it, throwing you in the deep end, what is your favorite <laughs> film what is your favorite uh, TV show to watch? Let's start with films and TV show. Okay, so the the frame. The, okay, well, the, the thing is that in in my in my entire life, given I've lived quite a number of years now, uh, I've I've had many many. I've, I've loved many many movies, but the one movie that I could keep watching time and time again is actually Matrix. Uh, I don't know whether you remember, um, but that's one movie that. Every single time I watch, even till today, after I've watched it like five, six times, I will still be able to gather new information. It is such a complex um, story um, and such a complex setting uh, that I am just amazed at how much information there is for you to keep gathering uh, every time you watch it again. Uh, and, and to be honest, it, it was really, I mean, in, in its time, it was really an amazing movie and a, an amazing storyline that no one would have thought about. But to even till today, when I think about it, you know, sometimes when I, when, when I spend my day doing my work, I've been thinking, whether I'm actually in the Matrix, right? It's really amazing. So let me get controversial. So Matrix is a, the Matrix is a classic. It, it, there, I, I don't know many people that don't like the Matrix. What are your What is your opinion of the two sequels, Matrix Revolutions and uh, Matrix? Uh, what's the um, Reloaded? Matrix Reloaded, Reloaded yeah. and Matrix Revolutions. What What is your opinion of those two sequels? Well, look. To be honest. Because the idea was so refreshing, um, the first one had to be the best. I mean, it, it really hit me really, really hard uh, on, on the first one. And as much as I was really looking forward to the second and the third, um, I have to say that uh, they were not as they were not as impressive as the first one, um, but still very entertaining. Um, and my view would be that if I gave a 10 to Matrix, the, the first one, I'll give a, a 90 to the second and probably an 80 to the third. That's a very diplomatic response to, 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 to that question. Uh, so, Julian, thank you very much for joining us. I just want to ask uh, the web address for Marvion Media for people to be able to search. Uh, what's the best? You know, what's the best website they can get um, to get to know about Marvion? Okay, so it's www.marvion.media. Very simple, very straightforward. Excellent. 
Julian So, interim CEO of Marvian Media. Thank you very much for joining us on Shoot the Breeze to talk about NFTs and Marvian Media. We hope you come back on the show to educate us more on all of your projects and, uh, and the competitions that you're going to be running in the future. I will be delighted, Marcus. And that was our conversation with Julian So. Uh, it, 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 again, it illuminated my understanding of NFTs by a country mile uh, after having spoken with him. And the news that I was sharing, I was mentioning earlier, straight after that interview, uh, his PR um, a person was on, the, was on the line as well. And he straight after the interview just effectively mentioned, can we turn this podcast into an NFT? Now, as of recording this, I have no idea what that means. Uh, Producer Dave, do you have any idea what that means, turning this episode into an NFT? Um, Well, he's saying that we might be able to sell it, but then again, and we would own it. However, um, that is up for discussion. So it could happen, but it might not happen. Absolutely. It could happen. It might not happen. I choose to, uh, to believe that it is going to happen. I also choose to believe that when it does happen, as he mentioned, uh, when I asked, how do you place a value on an NFT property? He says, it's whatever the value of the property is. I uh, feel that this particular NFT for this episode of Shoot the Breeze is worth at least £150,000. So that is my uh, estimation, <laughs> or, or that is my estimation of the the value producer dave what what how do you feel what do you value this nft of shoot the breeze yeah i'm gonna go with that i'll, I'll agree uh, with you on that so that's one hundred fifty thousand each <laughs> one hundred fifty thousand each are uh, you i agree with you one hundred fifty thousand each uh you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i want to thank you all very much for sitting down taking the time to to listen to us ramble about random topics that interest us especially when it has something to do with films and tv shows Thank you very much to Resonance FM for letting us have this uh, opportunity. Like I said, I will keep rambling on as long as there are people out there that are going to listen to me. And as soon as I stop talking, I'm going to hand over to my protege, uh, Jacob Acker, who's sitting right next to me, uh, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for his turn to speak. But don't worry, uh, you're going to get your chance to speak. Say goodbye to the, uh, to the lovely audience that have been listening to us. Goodbye to the people that are watching or Androids do not know who are watching by now. I hope Bye. I hope no one's watching because we are on <laughs> we're, we're on the radio. We're on the radio. Uh, anyway, we're on the radio, so oh, they're not watching. If they if they are watching us, then uh, I'm 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 in trouble. Anyway, uh I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still David Campbell, aka and say thank you very much for listening. I'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. All right, producer David Loftin. He's on. <laughs>